0: Now let us turn in our Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges, chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, as we're continuing our series, although we're coming to nearing the end of our series on the book of Judges, as after the end of Samson, we hope to turn to the Passion of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Passion Weeks leading up to Good Friday. And we come this morning to a painful and difficult chapter in the life of Samson near the end of his life, but also given us for instruction and correction and to show us our need of grace. Judges 16, we'll read the first 22 uh, verses. That will also be the text for the preaching. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there unharlot, and went in unto her, and was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him. And see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak. And be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, "The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs, as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes, and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber. And he break them from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. And she fastened it with the pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb." If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with feathers Of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Thus far, the reading of God's word, and also our text for this morning's sermon. Boys and girls, have you ever fallen to the ground? We've all fallen. At some time, maybe when we were young and learning to walk, sometimes older people can have bad falls, but also active, strong, and healthy people have fallen too and have had serious injuries. Maybe they fell while playing their sport or they fell because they weren't watching where they were walking and they slipped. And falls can hurt, but there is something worse than falling into sin, uh, falling to the ground, and it's falling into sin. We read about that in the life of Samson in this last chapter of his life. The sad fall of Samson. That's what you can write over the sermon. The sad fall of Samson. We'll see three things. First of all, the way it happened. Secondly, the result it had. And thirdly, the grace that's shown. The sad fall of Samson, first of all, the way it happened. Secondly, the result it had. And thirdly, the grace that's shown. The Bible is honest about the failings and sins of the people of God. Also the failings and sins of Samson. This last judge in the Old Testament who judged Israel 20 years In the opening verses of Judges 16, we find Samson in the city of Gaza. Gaza has been in the news quite a bit lately because of the ongoing conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. In Samson's day, Gaza was one of the capital cities of the Philistines and while he was there, he saw a prostitute and spent the night with her to have sexual relations with her. How did Samson go so wrong? Because of his eyes. Verse 1 says he saw a harlot. This temptation to sleep with this prostitute came through his eye gate. And it tells us that we need to guard our eyes, young people. But not just young people. All of us to bounce our eyes away from whatever will stir lust and sin in our heart. And that's relevant today, as we can be bombarded every day with sexual temptation, and lust is being stirred up in your heart maybe, and in your life through the entertainment and the social media, and it's just one click away, or one scroll away, and it dishonors the Lord. And it scars so many. And maybe you sit here and you don't struggle with those lusts. And that could be. But the seeds of every sin are in your heart and in mine. And there are other works of the flesh listed in Galatians 5 besides adultery and fornication. Also hatred is mentioned and jealousy and strife and anger. Well, the arrival of Samson in Gaza has not gone unnoticed by the Philistines. Their archenemy is inside their city gates. They surround the house, ensure that the city gates are closed as they plot to capture Samson. And now Samson is trapped because of his sin. By going into a prostitute, he has trapped himself, but he doesn't even realize it because he's asleep in the arms of this strange woman. He's in danger, but at midnight he gets up. Did his conscience maybe bother him? We're not told, but whatever it was, he realizes he needs to get out. But boys and girls, surely he will be caught, won't he? No, he comes to the city gates. Do you see him? Somehow he grabs a hold of the city gates and he rips them out of the ground. And with a hop, he sets them on his shoulders and he carries them away about fifty or sixty kilometers towards Hebron. People say that's not possible to bring such city gates with, it, including the gateposts, some fifty or sixty kilometers. But the problem is not the fifty or sixty kilometers the first 50 or 60 steps would be difficult for any of us but the lord strengthened samson and the city of gaza has a big hole in it and it says to the people of israel that the power of the philistines has been broken why would you be afraid of a people who have a city without a gate maybe someone says but pastor why would Samson have strength now? He's just indulged in the lusts of his flesh. I know. Why does he have strength now? It points to the grace and the faithfulness of the Lord. If we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. He doesn't give up on us. He abideth faithful, 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. And it says to you, if you're trapped in sin here this morning, the Lord can set you free. You may be in a prison of your own making. You may be, as Charles Wesley put it, fast bound in sin and nature's night. But thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. He can do that for you. He has grace to do that for you, power to do that for you, however stuck you may be, however young you may be. After all, he can do that because Jesus was laid behind a door that no mere man could open. But up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor of the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Yes, the Lord in his goodness and faithfulness did deliver Samson this time. But what a warning it should have been to Samson. And did he take that warning to heart? No. The next part of Judges 16 shows he has not learned his lesson. He falls for another woman from Sorek this time, not far from his own birthplace. We are told her name is Delilah. It's the only woman's name recorded for us in the history of Samson. I mean, we don't know the name of the mother of Samson, but we are told that this woman's name is Delilah, which means something like flirtatious or... Temptress. Maybe it was her nickname. Maybe it was her given name. But it was a name that suited her and Samson fell for her. And we're told in verse 4 that Samson loved her. That's also the first time we read that in the history of Samson. I mean, there are other women in Samson's life. But for the first time we read that he loved this woman, Delilah. Mind you, we are not told that Delilah loved Samson. Well, news of this relationship reached also the rulers of the Philistines, probably the five lords of the five major cities of the Philistines. And they asked Delilah to entice him, to seduce him, to deceive him, to find out the secret to his strength, so that in that way they can overpower him and tie him up and humiliate him. And they promised to reward her. Each Philistine lord offers her 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. That's thousands of dollars today, maybe a hundred thousand or more. And Delilah agrees, and she begins to ask Samson why he is so strong and what would make him weak. She's prepared to play a game with him, a game of cat and mouse. Samson is willing to play this game. It seems an innocent game to Samson, but it isn't so innocent, and he'll be caught through this game, and he'll have his eyes put out. Well, Samson says that it should work if he is bound with seven green widths, that is, seven raw leather bowstrings. strings. Delilah does that and then she wakes Samson up and says, the Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And he broke those bowstrings, and they disintegrate like a flame, like in a flame of fire. And Delilah's first attempt failed and she's not happy. You've mocked me, she says. Tell me how you can be tied up. And he says, well, tie me up with new ropes and I'll become weak like other men. But when he wakes up the next time, he snapped those ropes like a spider's web, like thread. Her second attempt has failed. Delilah tries a third time. This time Samson says that if she would take seven locks, the seven locks of the hair of his head, and weave them into a loom and tighten them with a pin he would be weak and helpless and here Samson is playing with fire isn't he because he's now pointing to his hair Delilah does that but again to her dismay when she wakes him Samson simply pulled out the pin and he was still free but for how long yet the Lord has given him strength these three times but how many times yet will there not come a time when the Lord's long suffering will end how long will the Lord bear with Samson's sin in the bedroom of Delilah? Why does Samson not turn away from Delilah? Does Samson not realize the seriousness of this and the danger that he's in? Next time he won't be able to walk away. Next time he'll be captured and he'll have his eyes gouged out. How does it happen that Samson falls? and falls so deeply. What happened? Well, there are at least three steps here, three marks here. He's marked by a terrible foolishness, a gradual weakness, and thirdly, a self-confidence. Let's look at those three things. He's marked, first of all, by a terrible foolishness. He is not being wise, but foolish. I mean, what's missing here in Samson? Wisdom. And then the boys and girls at school will know that wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is not a living thing in Samson's life, for if it was a living thing in his life, he would do what Joseph did. He would turn away and run away. He would not only flee from the appearance of evil, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22, but he would flee from evil itself. And as Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. When you fear the Lord and love the Lord, you'll hate evil and you'll turn from evil. But Samson doesn't. The fear of the Lord is missing now. And the fellowship with the Lord is missing in his life. Do you think he prayed before he went into Delilah? Friends, young people, if we would keep far from sin, we have to keep close to him. If we would turn from sin, we must think of and talk with him. If we would keep from falling in sin, we must be fellowshipping with him. We must keep God before our eyes so that we will not slide. There's this terrible foolishness in Samson because the fear of the Lord is not a living thing in his life. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you've forgotten about your need to fear and love the Lord. Maybe you've stopped praying about those sinful habits in your life or those sinful inclinations in your life and maybe you're not remembering that the eye of the Lord is in every place beholding the evil and the good and you're not living in a close relationship with the Lord, hating sin and turning to Him. That first of all, there's a great, terrible foolishness. Secondly, He's marked by a gradual weakness, a gradual weakness. He doesn't realize it, but the ongoing pressures are taking their toll on him and weakening him. No, he doesn't realize it. He doesn't realize that Delilah is dangerous and that Delilah doesn't love him. And she keeps at him day by day, nagging him and tormenting him and pressuring him. She presses him sore. She questions his love for her and his commitment to her. How can you say that you love me if you're not fully committed to me? If your heart, as he says, as she says in verse 15, is not with me. Did you catch that? That's what Delilah's after. She wants Samson's heart. Sin, you see, young people, wants you not just you to enjoy a few activities and to give you some pleasure, although whether that's lasting pleasure, of course, is to be seen. Sin wants your heart. Sin wants your devotion. Sin wants your confidence and commitment. Sin wants your heart and mind, young people. The world wants your heart and your mind. You see, there's a battle going on every day for your heart and your mind, and it's an intense battle, and it's an ongoing battle, and it's an unrelenting battle, and it isn't a fair battle because Satan knows our weaknesses, and Satan doesn't give up. And it may be for someone here, as it was with Samson, it may be sexual temptation. And it may be that you struggle with the use of your phone and the things you watch. Or for someone else, it may be the love of pleasure and you just want to have another fun thing to do. Or it may be the love of treasure, money and stuff as your heart. And maybe for someone else, it may be a bottle to drown out your sorrows. Or maybe it's a screen, small or big it may be getting friendly with someone who isn't your spouse. And soon you're trapped and snared. But whatever your besetting sin or habitual sin is, it always wants more. It always demands more of your heart, more of your mind, more of your time. Till it has you completely in its grasp and takes you down with it. Do you feel its pull? Do you feel its pressures? And you may be a believer here this morning like Samson, but you've been giving yourself to sin. You've been giving yourself to the world. You've been giving yourself to that habit, and you've become weaker under the ongoing pressures. You see, Delilah wanted Samson's heart and mind, but God wants our hearts and minds too. He wants us to love him with all our heart. He warned his covenant people in Deuteronomy 11 verse 16 that they they should not be deceived and turned aside and give their hearts to other gods. He knows it's a heart issue. And that may be happening in your life right now and you're turning aside and you're giving your heart to something or someone other than the Lord. that's what happened with Samson. It wasn't just the shaving of his hair. It's the giving of his heart to Delilah. And because, verse 17, because he has given Delilah his heart, he now tells her all that is in his heart. He becomes vulnerable to the one should not be vulnerable with and she's manipulated him and she's pressured him and she's broken him till he has given in and he tells her the secret to his strength he's been a Nazarite all his life long and his hair hasn't been cut and if his hair was cut he would become weak and vulnerable like any other man and a barber is summoned who shaves off his hair, his seven locks of hair, one lock at a time, and he has no strength anymore. And what's happening here is told us in number six that when a person who had been a Nazarite, often it was for a time when he was a Nazarite, then he would cut, have his hair cut off. And then he was saying, well, I'm done being a Nazarite. That's what's happening here. It's as if Samson is laying down his office and he's leaving his task and he's giving it all up. But he doesn't really think he'll lose his strength. He doesn't really think that his power is gone. You see, friends, sin has this gradual weakening effect in our lives as it tries to take control of our heart and of our mind. And what we need, don't we, is we need the Lord to take my heart, take my life and let it be. So that with heart and mind and life we would be set on him. So that we would serve him. But you see how he falls. There's this terrible foolishness in his life. Not living in the fear of the Lord. There's this gradual weakness as he stays there. In Delilah's house and lets her continually pressure him and manipulate him. And then thirdly, there's the problem of self-confidence. The problem of self-confidence. He presumes he'll be fine. He presumes he'll be okay. Listen to what he says to himself in verse 20, after his locks have been shaved off When Delilah woke him, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He says to himself, I'll do what I did before, and I'll be just as fine and just as free. Do you hear his self-sufficiency, his self-reliance, his self-confidence? I can get free and I can do it all on my own. I don't need anyone else to help me. And Samson doesn't consider the possibility that this time he might not be able to do it. He doesn't consider the possibility that this time he will be weak. He thinks he can manage on his own in the face of sin and temptation. He thinks he is strong, but he is weak. Very, very weak. He thinks the Lord will help him whenever he wants and everything will be fine, and he doesn't realize what's going on. He thinks he's capable, but he doesn't realize with the Church of Laodicea that he is wretched, miserable, poor, blind his eyes will be gouged out shortly. And maybe you don't realize how bad things are for you. And maybe you don't realize how serious your condition is, young people. Maybe you're not seeing yourself in the light of what God says about you, and you think you're doing fine, but you're not. And you're falling, and you're failing, and you're giving into your habitual besetting sin, and you're toying with sin you're playing with sin and you're treating your commitment to the lord lightly and you don't realize that we are as capable of messing up as samson did don't be so naive don't be so self-confident you can fall flat on your face just like samson just as anyone else let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall first corinthians 10 verse 12 You don't realize how weak you are, how weak I am. You think you can manage it. You think you can deal with it. What happened to others and their problems and their addictions and the brokenness in their lives, that won't happen to me, you think. And it's just a game. But life isn't just a game. And sin isn't just a game. Samson thinks he'll do what he did before and remain free but as Proverbs 16 verse 18 says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall and what happened? Well that's our second point the result it had. Samson thought he was fine. He thought he wouldn't be in trouble. He took the past mercies that the Lord had shown to him for granted but he doesn't know what it says in verse 20b the Lord had left him that's maybe the saddest verse in the history of Samson he did not know the Lord had left him he's lost his hair but worse than that he's lost his Lord Samson had left the Lord and the Lord leaves Samson Samson had turned from the Lord, and the Lord turned from Samson. No, not finally, not ultimately, but for now. And when the Lord withdraws himself, that is more bitter than death. As our canons of Dort say, Head 5, Article 5, says this, By such heinous sins, believers then, they greatly offend God, incur a deadly guilt, grieve the Holy Spirit, interrupt the exercise of faith, grievously wound their conscience, and sometimes lose the sense of God's favor for a time. That's what happened in Samson's life, and he deserved it. You see, because of our sin, the Lord withdraws himself. He takes away the sense of his presence Do you see how serious this is? If you compromise your relationship with the Lord, don't presume the Lord will always be there for you. He may leave you to your folly. He may turn from you. He may leave you to yourself. And maybe that's what you feel this morning. And your life isn't good and you are far from God and you feel distant from him and you've lost your effectiveness in the Christian life. This is possible for a child of God. This is possible for an office bearer. This is possible for churches to lose their spiritual liveliness, their spiritual effectiveness, and they become powerless. Samson is powerless here. And maybe that's how you can be. That's how we can be, spiritually speaking, that faith becomes weak. Almost gone. Prayers are lifeless even while you say a few words in your prayers. And there's no power to turn from sin and to turn from the world, and there's no effective witness that goes out from you to others, and there's no joy in your Christian life because you've left the Lord. The Lord has left you. And then he leaves you to walk the path you've chosen, and he lets you do what you want, and he lets you reap what you sow. Galatians 6 verse 7, if you sow to the flesh... If you give your time and your energy to satisfied sinful desires, you'll reap corruption and you'll reap destruction. You might not even realize that the Lord has left you. And it's dark. And that's how it is here for Samson. He's been able to hold off the Philistines every time, but not this time. He can't stop them this time from grabbing him and capturing him. Samson can do nothing. They gouge out his eyes and he can do nothing. And when they tie him up, he can do nothing. And they put him to work in the prison house, grinding grain. Yes, there are three things they do to him. Three things here that we're told as the result of his fall. For one thing, they bind him. Samson's captured. He had never been captured before, but now he's captured. Matthew Henry says, those who have thrown themselves out of God's protection become an easy prey to their enemies. If we sleep in the lap of our lusts, we shall certainly wake in the hands of the Philistines. Has sin had that effect in you? your life that it's been binding you, holding on to you, and you can't break free. That's what happened with Samson. They bind him. Secondly, they blind him. They blind him. They take out his eyes. Those eyes by which he had gone astray are now gouged out. The Lord Jesus maybe think back to this history of Samson when he says, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Oh, no, that doesn't mean that we should physically mutilate ourselves. A one-eyed man can still lust. A blinded man can still lust. But Jesus there in Matthew 5 is saying, deal with the cause of sin. And you need to guard your eye gate. We need to be careful what we look at with our eyes, and we need to bounce away our eyes. Oh, be careful, little eye, what you see. But yes, we're to deal radically with sin, mortifying sin, putting sin to death, as John Owen put it. Be killing sin, or else sin will be killing you. Friends, What are we giving our eyes to? Young people, when you're on a device, do you let your mom and dad see what you're looking at? What are you giving your eyes to? If there are programs that you're watching or pictures that you're looking at, and if they dishonor the Lord, And if they leave lingering thoughts, we need to do away with them. And parents, do we know what our children are looking at? Do we have that relationship whereby we can look at their device? And young people, we should be able to share that. And if we're stuck because of some bad habits, we can ask for help. You should be able to ask your mom and dad for help. Oh, that might not be such a fun thing to do, but a needed thing. But especially, take the need of your life and maybe the sins that are being exposed, bring them to Jesus and delight in Him, and desire Him. You see, it's not just sin that needs to be put away in our life. Yes, sin does need to be put away in our life, but we need to replace the sin with the Savior, else we'll go back to this sin or another sin. We won't be able to overcome sin just by denying self. We have to desire the Savior, And we can ask him for that grace and that love so that we find our joy and grace in him. Seek your life and joy in the Lord rather than in sin, but deal radically with sin before sin deals radically with you. Samson had to become blind before he actually saw what was wrong. And now that he's blinded, he has time to think about how his own sinful lust had blinded him. Matthew Henry says that. And he's taken to Gaza, the same city where he had forced the city gate open. But now he can do nothing. And he's a prisoner. Forced to grind grain in the prison house. That's the third thing they do to him. He's forced to grind. He's treated like an ox or a mule. This, This one's free man, strong man, this servant of the Lord, this Nazarite. He's treated like an animal, a prisoner sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, but it's his own fault. He went against the Lord in the way of sin, and now he's there, and who can help him? Do you see what someone has said? Sin binds Sin blinds, and sin grinds. God's children must pay dearly for their sin. The Lord doesn't give his grace for us to abuse it and to misuse it, for that's how we lose it. Again, not ultimately and finally if we're true believers. But do you see how that's testing us today? Because today here you are. And maybe you didn't think that the question would be this morning, how close is your walk with the Lord? And maybe the, you didn't realize the question would be, how much are you resisting sin in your life? Consciously, purposely fighting against sin. Instead, you're making compromises maybe. Little compromises maybe. And you're inconsistent here and you're inconsistent there. And, and maybe you're content that you've had some victories in the past. But your love for the Lord is growing cold and your faith is not a living faith and it's not a growing faith. And your heart goes after sin and the pleasures of the world and you're in danger of being a slave to the lusts of your flesh which leads to death. What a warning for us. And friends, if the Lord would deal with us as he dealt with Samson, I wonder what would you lose? Would you lose your eyes because of what your eyes have been taken up with? Or would you lose your ears because of what you've given your ears to? Or would you lose your tongue because of the sins of your tongue? Don't we need to confess our sins to the Lord in a fresh way today? Isn't that why he gives us a Sabbath day? And I wonder, is sin a burden to you and to me? That it burdens you that you're not what you ought to be? And how quickly we can trip and fall? Are we faltering maybe? Are we not all flawed beings like Samson? Who here can say, no, I don't have any issues? Don't we need the grace of the Lord like Samson does? And I can kneel next to Samson, and I wonder if you can. That we need that grace that's in Jesus, the amazing grace that John Newton also has a fallen Flawed sinner needed that forgives a wretch like me. Knowing, as the other hymn writer put it, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Or maybe you're unconverted, but you're saying with Augustine who gave his heart and life to the pleasures of sin for a long time in his life, and he said one day, Lord, convert me, but not yet. I still want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a little while. Is that what you're saying? But if you die that way, you'll be lost forever. Then you'll be tormented day and night in the prison of hell without any hope of any grace. Don't you need the grace of the Lord? That's what we see in our third point, the grace that is shown. For the story of Samson doesn't end here. Oh, true, he's lost his strength, he's lost his eyes, he's lost his freedom, he's lost his God, but the story of Samson isn't over yet. Verse 22, as a unique verse, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Boys and girls, his hair is growing again. Oh, not that that's anything magical or supernatural that's happening here. No, it's a natural thing. But even what is natural is overseen by the Lord. Jesus will say that later in Matthew 10. Even... The hairs of your head are all numbered. So the fact that Samson's hair is growing again is also sovereignly sovereignly governed by the Lord that the roots of his hair were still there. But more importantly, the roots of his spiritual life were still there. Not just the hair of his head was coming back, but what the hair pointed to was coming back what the hair pictured was growing back. You know, sometimes the believer falls. Sometimes the church falls. Sometimes the church falls into great weakness and ineffectiveness, and it seems to die out in the midst of a, pagan world but when the church realizes its weakness and ineffectiveness when the child of God who falls and who has become ineffective realizes his weakness and ineffectiveness and he cries out to the Lord in distress and the church cries out to the Lord in their trouble when they cry to him he hears them and he will heal them he will deliver them he cannot forsake the work of his own hands and he has promised to heal the backsliding of his people, Hosea 14, verse 4. What Samson did in the house of Delilah was not the end. What the prodigal son did in the far country was not the end. The prodigal son came to his senses, and that must have happened with Samson too. What happened then? Well, Paul says it about himself. I was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, and you may have thought that Saul of Tarsus would have gone to the grave abandoned by the Lord. But he goes on to say there in 1 Timothy 1, verse 13, but I obtained mercy. And that's what Samson needed, and that's what you and I need. How Samson experienced that, I don't know. Maybe one day as he was grinding grain in the prison house of Gaza, he wiped away the sweat of his brow and he realized his hair had begun to grow. But whatever it was, as his hair was beginning to grow, the seed of God's grace was growing too. The Philistines, you see, could remove his eyes, but they could not remove God's grace. Sin did not have the last word. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound, Romans 5, verse 20. How come? Because it's God's grace in Jesus, the greater than Samson, who never turned from his calling, never turned from his commitment to God, even when he was in what you might call the prison house of the suffering of God and enduring the anger of God and during the hellish anguish for sin. But he didn't leave his God while his God did leave him. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not because he had done anything wrong, but because of the things that people like Samson and you and I have done. We've sinned everything away. And we deserve to be cast into the lowest dungeon of hell. But for Christ's sake, there is grace, grace greater than our sin. There's grace for those in the prison house of sin today, gripped in unbelief or in some other sin of lust and worldliness, however deeply you have fallen. Christ can bring you out of the miry clay Set your feet upon a rock and establish your goings. He can restore you. He can give back your vision, your spiritual eyesight. He can forgive you. He can give you a new life, a new grace, so that you're saved and transformed. There is grace for people like you and I who deserve the lowest dungeon even if you are grinding in the prison house of sin this morning in darkness do you love the darkness of sin so much and if you've never trusted in the lord jesus before you may trust him today you two boys and girls and young people ask for his grace ask for his holy spirit he has grace to give also for a backsliding believer who has fallen so deeply. Can this grace not draw you to? To him. Yes, plenteous grace is found with him so that though I walk mid trouble sore, thou wilt restore my faltering spirit through the grace that's in Jesus. Amen.